Well, well, well. Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball Halloween Sportacular 3. <laughs> 3. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We got past the sequel stage. Yeah. And we survived <laughs> the sequel. We haven't decided on Roman numerals yet or not. <laughs> An educational celebration of useless jog knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode today, don't we, Scotty? All the Halloween special, all the episode. We're having a hell of a time, right? Hell of a time. Scotty told me he was going to um, sport sportaculation. Yeah, I'm going to sportaculate all over and I this told him, special. I told him I don't know what sportaculating is, but he has to wait till he gets home to do it. You'll know it when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. All right, we got the spooky scoreboard stomper. We've got our Frankenstein of the week. Uh, we've got three bobbing for assholes. We'll get on to our campfire stories. Uh, Anna Mariah Wilson, then Peng Shui, and Lawrence Phillips. Rounding out the three stories. Moving on to the stumper answer, uh, torture chamber, and a new segment, a new Halloween spooky segment that we call that house has full-size candy bars. Yeah, I think that explains it. Yeah, it's uh, the Halloween-themed shampoo. Yeah, so it's to like speak. the cheers. It's the cheers section. But remember, you know, you're when you're trick or treating, and you're like, that house has full-size candy bars, and then all the kids are like, oh, that. Yeah, you feel special when you get that one. So can't wait to get to that one. Um, but yeah, without further ado, hit me, baby, one more time with that scoreboard stumper, Scotty. The scareboard stumper. All right, so, so, um. Just goofing off, looking at you know some of the stuff from Lawrence Phillips, our one of our inductees today. I want to know who has the FBS college record for most consecutive games with a hundred yards in a row. Is it Archie Griffin? You know, I was going to throw that one in there. Um, Ricky Williams or Adrian Peterson. Wow. I mean, yeah, Archie Griffin's got to be a good candidate for one because didn't he win multiple Heismans? Yes. So a lot of, lot of time in the backfield there to accumulate some consecutive 100-yard games. Um, I'm going to go with... Who was the second one? Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. It was... Griffin? Griffin, Williams, Williams or Adrian Peterson? Peterson? Yeah, I'm going to go Ricky Williams. All right. All right. We'll get the stumper answer after the campfire stories. Moving on to Frankenstein of the week. Abby Normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long... 54 inch white gorilla! What? Is that what you're telling me? All right, our Frankenstein of the week is the 0 3 LA Lakers. Yay. Russ Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Pat Bev, Pat Patrick Bev. Beverly, Scotty Pippen Jr., Lonnie Walker, the fourth. Yeah. Bunch um, of <laughs> junior seconds, thirds, fourths. <laughs> it's Abby Normal. Abby Normal Frankenstein. They suck. 
They are real bad. What was uh, R- Russell Westbrook had Westbrook? Sorry, he had like twenty nine minutes with zero points, and like z- he was zero for two from the free throw line. He had, he, he threw up eleven f- shots and missed all of them. Just awful, man. Um, you got a bunch of parts that don't fit together. It's a Frankenstein. It's total Frankenstein job. It came just in time for our annual Frankenstein of the week. Yes. Um, <laughs> we only have one a year, but we call it of the week because it's in our flex seal of the week theme, I guess. But yeah, it, came, it could not have come at a per- more perfect time because it is truly a Frankenstein yeah, job. It's a mess. Fire bad. <laughs> yes, a mess. <laughs> All right, uh, on moving on to bobbing for assholes. All right, next one's a whopper. Whopper. A whopper. Um, former NFL wide receiver Antonio Brown uh, today was ordered to pay $1.2 million in an assault case involving a moving truck driver. He also, uh, two days ago, superimposed his face on Tom Brady's body in a picture with Brady's wife, Giselle. Um, and Brown is also selling merch online as of the last couple of days, I guess, to pay for the $1.2 million lawsuit because he's selling T-shirts that have photos of Antonio Brown himself embracing Giselle. Um, and it looks like it's from the Bucks Super Bowl celebration a few years ago where like they had a embrace yeah. for a moment. And there's a photo of it and he's putting it on shirts. And uh, I think it says Boomin. On top of it. Yeah. And he's selling them online. <laughs> so, Tony Brown's bobbing for three assholes. Like, you know when a meteorite starts coming, like, closer to a planet, and it, like, goes, like, it starts to flame up as it enters the atmosphere? I think Antonio Brown's starting to, like, catch a little bit of flames. He is spiraling. Yeah, the $1.2 million, is, he has, yeah, he assaulted a moving truck dr- driver, like, who is trying to move your shit into your house, man. <laughs> Oh, man. I just don't get it. He's something else. He, what an asshole. He spent, he spent a while in the tank. He pulled up three different ass- assholes while bobbing. Yeah, like, Jesus. That's just, that's a new record. Um, and then we've got one more. Uh, this one's a little more mainstream, but uh, Aaron Boone, Yankees manager, he was saying about game two of the ALCS, help me out with this one, that the open roof kind of killed us. Yeah, um, he, he, Aaron Judge hit a fly ball to right in the eighth inning that a lot of people were like, oh, kind of looked like a no-doubter, but it felt like one of his homers to right. And Aaron Boone commented it that, so he, Aaron Boone commented saying, who would have thought, I think the roof open kind of killed us. And I'm like, you're saying the roof open in Houston, Texas really killed you. Right. Yeah, I don't get that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about, you know, don't get swept in the playoffs by the Astros? A burn. Yeah, yeah, Bart. All right. Well, we're done bombing for assholes for now. Uh, let's move on to our campfire stories. First campfire story is Anna Mariah Wilson. Anna Mariah Wilson was born May 18th, 1996 in Littleton, New Hampshire, the daughter of Eric and Karen Wilson. In her youth, Anna developed a passion for cycling, but would gain renown as a nationally ranked junior skier. Like downhill skiing. 
Anna attended Burke Mountain Academy, a college preparatory school that trains alpine ski racing athletes. She would graduate from Dartmouth College in 2019 with a BA in engineering and had recently decided to become a gravel cyclist. Caitlin Armstrong was born November 21st, 1987 and grew up in Livonia, Michigan. She had been labeled as a yoga teacher and licensed realtor. Armstrong was in a relationship with pro cyclist Colin Strickland, but they separated in fall of 2021, at which point Strickland began a brief romantic relationship with Anna Mariah Wilson. Strickland and Armstrong would get back together, but Strickland kept in communication with Wilson by keeping her name under a pseudonym in his phone. <laughs> Armstrong reportedly became aware of the relationship and told an anonymous tipster she, quote, had either recently purchased a firearm or was going to. On May 11th, 2022, Anna Wilson was found dead with multiple gunshot wounds at a friend's house in Austin, Texas. Hours before her death, Wilson had gone out with Strickland, but Colin denied ever going to Wilson's friend's house. Video surveillance showed Caitlin Armstrong's black Jeep arrive at the scene moments before the murder, and on May 17th, a warrant for first-degree murder was issued against Armstrong. After spending 43 days on the run, Armstrong was found by U.S. Marshals in a hostel in Santa Teresa, Costa Rica. She had died and cut her hair and was found to be using a false passport. Armstrong was arraigned on July 21st, pleading not guilty and being held on a $3.5 million bond. The case against her began Monday. Yeah, this is a freshie. Freshie. Monday, 2022. So it began October 24th. Yeah, yep. I remember when she got arrested. That was a that was a crazy one. Yeah, they had to... <laughs> took a long time to find her. I mean, 43 days is a pretty good run, but they got you, bitch. <laughs> the Costa Rica. Yeah. She made it pretty far. She made it pretty far. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty rough to go through um, the funny thing is like you know, there was a lot of initial interviewing with Caitlin Armstrong and she like became visibly annoyed when they brought up um, Anna Mariah Wilson like they were talking to her about other stuff but then they brought up Anna Mariah Wilson and she like you could tell when she turned you're like ooh oh yeah she guilty she guilty she is so guilty she is so guilty <clears throat> All right, moving on to our next um, campfire story. This is Peng Shui. Peng Shui was born January 8, 1986, in Jiangtang, China. She grew up playing tennis under instruction from her uncle, a famous tennis coach in China. She used a two, she used a two-handed forehand approach, but her backhand was better. At age 13, Peng was hospitalized to repair a rare defect in her heart a situation which she explained in Adidas's Impossible is Nothing cam ad campaign. After surgery, she joined a state training program in Tianjin, tasked with producing Olympic-quality athletes. When Peng was 15, she won her first $10,000 singles tournament in June of 2001, and would make her debut on the WTA Tour in October of that same year. Impressive. 15-year-old on the WTA in 2004, Peng won her first $75,000 tournament in Alabama, raising her world ranking to 107 and gaining her entry into her first Grand Slam in Wimbledon, at Wimbledon. Peng would promptly lose to 14th seed Sylvia Farina Elia, and she would reach the quarterfinals in Cincinnati, giving the 18-year-old a number 73 ranking in the world. Nice. 
Starting in 2005, Peng and three other Chinese players decided to no longer give over half their earnings to the state training program by effectively threatening to stop playing. <laughs> At the China Open in 2007, Peng defeated former number one Martina Hingis in what was the last match of Hingis's career. Yeah, I remember that. That's a name drop. That was sad. Martina Hingis was badass. Peng continued her upward trajectory in singles competition, reaching as high as number 14 in the world in 2011. But she was much more successful in doubles play. Paired along her childhood friend, Hisei Su Wei, Peng won five titles in 2013, including Wimbledon and Cincinnati. Peng became the fifth Chinese woman to win a Grand Slam title and the first to win the WTA Tour Championships. Oh, and she earned a number one world ranking in doubles play. Nice. Peng would cut her season short in 2015 due to back and waist injuries, but returned strong in 2016 to capture her first ever WTA singles title. Singles title, yeah. In 2018, Peng was sanctioned by the Tennis Integrity Unit for offering her partner money to withdraw from Wimbledon. Uh-oh. She was banned for three months and fined $5,000, but afterwards, she was never the same player, often dropping out in the first round of tournaments. Oh, man. In November 2021, Peng accused Zhang Gaoli, a retired vice premier of the CCP, of sexual assault in 2018. Using Chinese social media platform Weibo, Peng laid out the details of an affair she was pressured into by a man 40 years her senior. Within 20 minutes of the post, it was deleted, along with any other related posts discussing the Chinese Me Too movement. Peng became unreachable by the WTA or the media, and many in the tennis world suspected her removal from the, pl- removal from the public view was a forced disappearance. For concern over her safety, whereabouts, and ability to communicate freely, the WTA suspended all events in China. She showed up in state media two weeks later, but the videos and images seemed staged. Peng was at multiple events during the 2022 Winter Olympics, but her appearances at the games and references to her accusations and others similar to hers remained censored in China. Completely. Like, completely. Nuts. All of the speaking out is just censored. All of it. So, yeah, we were, like, there was, like, there were people who were, like, banned from going to tennis tournaments because they're wearing like where is Peng Shui t-shirts like it's like Britney Spears yeah they're like only it's the government not her family right and like they fans were turned away if you were wearing that like spooky spooky as fuck man like she was like for two solid weeks just completely unreachable alright moving on to our final campfire story Lawrence Phillips Lawrence Lamont Phillips was born May 12, 1975, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and later moved to California, where he grew up in foster homes. Phillips grew up playing football and was a varsity starter on both offense and defense, playing running back and outside linebacker. Damn, man, he would be a terrifying Fucking yeah, right? (laughs) While attending Baldwin Park High in California, his team won a state championship, attracting scouts across the country, namely the University of Nebraska. Phillips was given a scholarship to Nebraska, and he'd gradually work his way up the depth chart as a running back, (laughs) not an outside linebacker. (laughs) By the time he was a sophomore in 1994, Lawrence had become the focal point of the Cornhuskers' offense, gaining 100 yards or more in 11 straight games. Wow. 
He rushed for 1,722 yards, which is still a Nebraska sophomore record, and the team would go undefeated and capture a national championship title with Tommy Frazier. That's right, baby. Less than two weeks after winning the championship, Lawrence pled not guilty to a charges of assault, vandalism, and disturbing the peace. The charges came after an incident in which Phillips, accused, Phillips was accused of grabbing a 21-year-old college student around her neck. Yikes. Phillips entered a pre-trial diversion program, but was charged in November of 1994 after failing to complete the program's requirements. When, 1990, yeah, when the 1995 season finally arrived, Phillips was a front-runner in Heisman Trophy predictions, and for good reason. After two games, he was averaging 11 yards a carry. <laughs> Hours after the team returned from a game in Michigan, Phillips broke into quarterback Scott Frost's apartment and assaulted his ex-girlfriend, basketball player Kate McEwen. Lawrence dragged her by her hair for three flights of stairs before smashing her head into a mailbox. Fuck. Phillips was subsequently arrested and suspended from the team. Outrage and controversy spread over the case, especially towards head coach Tom Osborne, who had yet to fully dismiss Phillips from the football program. Osborne feared that Phillips' behavior could actually worsen if, he only organized, if the only organized structure he had in his life, football, was taken away. Despite pressure from the media, Phillips was named the starter for the national championship victory over the Florida Gators. When it came to the 1996 NFL Draft, Phillips was still considered a top five, if not number one, talent. The St. Louis Rams thought so highly of him that they traded away his predecessor, Jerome Bettis, in order to get the Steelers' number six overall pick and draft him. The issues he'd had in Nebraska followed him to St. Louis. And in two years, Phillips spent 23 days in jail, rushed for 1,266 yards, and was released by the team in mid-November of 1997. Wow. Can you believe trading Jerome Bettis for Lawrence Phillips and such? Um, he looked good back then. I remember. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I get it. Lawrence would bounce between the Dolphins, 49ers, and even had stints in the CFL and Arena Football League, but quickly wore out his welcome wherever he went. 49ers fans and almost everyone who saw the play blame Phillips for the hit that ended Steve Young's career. Wow. Lawrence was a notoriously awful blocker. And when Aeneas Williams blitzed from the cornerback position, Larry left him completely unblocked and Williams clean, but crushing hit knocked Steve Young unconscious. Steve was never the same and was all but forced to retire. Wow. Another great name drop there. On August 21st, 2005, Phillips argued with three teenagers during a pickup game of football in L.A. And after the game, he assaulted them with his car. Fuck. He was arrested for felony assault with a deadly weapon, but he was also wanted by San Diego PD for two domestic abuse incidents involving a former girlfriend who said Phillips choked her to the point of unconsciousness. In October of 2006... Lawrence was sentenced to 10 years in state prison for the assault with his car, and in 2009, he was convicted on seven counts, including assault, great bodily harm, false imprisonment, and auto theft. The two sentences would run concurrent, and he wouldn't be eligible for parole until he was 57 years old. In April of 2015, Damien Soward, Phillips' cellmate, was found choked to death in their cell. In September of the same year, Phillips was charged with first-degree murder... <laughs> In Howard's case, and in November, the prosecutor was given the green light to pursue the death penalty. On January 12, 2016, at 1.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 
Lawrence Phillips was pronounced dead by hanging with a note that read, do not resuscitate, taped to his chest. Lawrence's family donated his brain to be examined for CTE at Boston University. Tragic. Notably, the Boston University, one of the Boston University um, neurologists, professors who specializes in CTE, was the one saying that it was ridiculous the two was even out there playing with the ba- playing against the Bengals before he even got hit. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, if, if so, maybe what he learned from Lawrence Phillips's brain donation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> brought him to you know the um, the the foresight he had with the two. Uh, well, I mean, study enough of them, you're going to see the, the trends. So, just tragic story, man. All right. Scareboard Stumper. Yeah, moving on to Scotty Scoreboard Stumper answer. All right. Make it extra spooky for us. All right. Uh, I want to know who, who has the record for most... Con- <laughs> who, has, who has the record for the most consecutive... 100 yard rushing games in a row in FBS in FBS history. Is it Archie Griffin, Ricky Williams, or Adrian Peterson? Archie Griffin makes the most sense, but you said you knew I was going to throw throw him in there, so that made it sound like you threw him in there. So I went with Ricky Williams. <laughs> right, it's Adrian Peterson. <laughs> um, I hate that guy. <laughs> so the worst part. Okay, so uh, Archie had like 33, I think, 33 in a row. Incredible. Um, Legend. Do you want to know how many Adrian Peterson had? 48. Holy crap. <laughs> how do you even play 48 that's, college football games? That's, tw- you know, if you play 12 games a season, there you go. Right. I mean, most guys play 11, <laughs> if that, because of an injury or something. It's amazing to even play in 48 college football games. <laughs> Especially how often a lot of these guys leave early. He should have left earlier, man. <laughs> Jeez, old Pete. Actually, probably not. <laughs> Speaking of haunted or spooky, Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving okay, on to the torture chamber. First through the torture chamber is Bears' Joaquin Brisker um, kicked in the nuts on a Mac Jones slide <laughs> in the Monday Night Football game. Perfectly, too. Mac Jones tried to do like a safe slide, and at the end of it, he like took his right foot and put it up in the air as he saw Brisker approaching him. And Brisker wasn't going to hit him. In fact, he jumped to try to jump out of the way, and that wasn't enough to save his his nutsack. In in Mac Jones's very brief start. Yeah, as someone who plays soccer, yeah, one, you never slide in cleats up on anyone. Um, yeah, I see a new rule coming. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Because otherwise, I see quarterbacks being like, "That's a great way to do it to keep people from coming in and hitting you." Just put your foot up, and that's not safe. It's not safe for the quarterbacks either. Yeah, because if someone still comes at you, they're gonna break your leg. Or something. Uh, the only time you sliding cleats up is if you're a goalie in soccer, and that's it, man. Because you gotta defend your fucking. Well, goal. imagine if a linebacker goes low when you. Sl- if slide you slide up. and put your leg up, and somehow you end up under their leg, and or like what if so you you catch someone in the neck with your fucking cleats? Something you know, yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, they're gonna have to do something about that, I think. So yeah, there'll be another rule change, but here we are in the torture chamber. Yeah. So is Mac Jones too? Yeah. Uh, next up through the torture chamber, J T. Miller will say, really all of Vancouver, 
but um, he just got a new long-term contract with Vancouver, and um, his team has started 0-4 and 2. Uh, fans are like throwing crap on the on the ice. Like, yeah, and, fans are throwing their jerseys, and I don't know if you know anything about how much hockey jerseys are. They're more expensive than than NFL jerseys. Yeah, they're like very customized. Like these are sweaters, man. Like, they're not just jerseys. These are called like people call these things sweaters for a reason. Yeah, you can live in your hockey jersey, but like, like they're throwing them on the ice, like as if like you know, I, fuck this, I'm done. And JT JT Miller said, uh, if they want to throw their shit on the ice, that's up to them. <laughs> I got a job to do. I'm not gonna worry if people want to come to the game, pay all that money, and throw their jersey on the ice. Go ahead. <laughs> so I just feel bad for him and their coach Bruce Boudreau. All right. Well, you know, and as we do, you know how we like to turn things around and on a positive note. So we're going to end with our new sportacular Halloween segment um, entitled "That House Has Full Size Candy Bars." It does. Um, so we've got three full size candy bars to hand out. Sweet. First one being NHL hockey player Phil Kessel, who broke. The consecutive games played record, 990 NHL games. Yeah, 990 and running. And and going. And running. So the last time he missed a start was November, November 3rd of 2009. Incredible. Fact. Yeah, full size candy bar to you, Phil. Kessler. Full size. Get, get him. To, get him two Reese's cups. Get him. Give him the good shit. Give him the good shit for sure. The ones with the drugs in them. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, another full size candy bar goes out to Chris Paul. CP three. Eleven thousand NBA assists. Good for you, dude. You get a. What do you think? A hundred grand bar. I think. I think Snickers. Snickers. Or you know what? Whatever you want, kid. You pick. Payday. I'm just going to hold it out and let you pick what full-size candy bar you want, Chris Paul. There you go. You deserved it. Trick or treat. You, you earned it. All right. And one last full-size candy bar goes out to P.J. Walker, Panthers fill-in quarterback, who on Sunday beat Hall of Fame, all-time greatest quarterback, the GOAT, Tom Brady and the Bucks, 21-3. Yeah, Bucks scored three points. Well, PJ Walker appreciation. As Nick sent me this, he was undrafted out of Temple. He w- he was waived by the Colts. He was drafted by the XFL's yeah. Houston, Houston Roughnecks. <laughs> he led the XFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Yeah, baby. He signed with the Panthers in 2020. He's been in two. He's two and one in relief duty over those last two years. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good so full size candy bar to you. Full PJ size Walker. candy bar. Trick or treat. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. Also find us on Twitter at L Sportsball. That's at the letter L, Sportsball. Make sure to become a member of our Facebook group, The Best and Worst of Sports Twitter, a subsidiary of TrevBook, to join the conversation and revel in sport in real time. If you enjoyed this episode, maybe you check out the two previous Sportaculars. Absolutely. Get a chance. Um, tune in next Thursday, November 4th, as we induct Jason Williams and kick off Jabroni History Month. Oh, it's going to be a great month, everybody. We're going to do uh, all Jabroni teams. So for Jason Williams being an NBA player, uh, we will be doing our all NBA or our all Jabroni NBA team. Yes. It'll be all current players, all Jabroni team. 
It's going to be a great one. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sports Ball. May the sports be with you. Always. <laughs>